Whew. I made it. <laughs> I'm just walking down some random ass street. I've got an eventual goal for today, but no big hurry. Now my mission is to never go home until I absolutely have to, which is kind of my plan in general traveling. You know, I want to be out in the city. I don't want to go to the Airbnb for much more than just sleeping probably. That's extra important now, but I guess we'll get into it. <laughs> so the weather here is insane. So my flight got delayed going into and leaving Calgary because of the terrible weather. It was minus 12 degrees Celsius, which is way below freezing. There was snow everywhere. And my friend Joel, who's from there, said that's pretty common. They pretty much always had to wear winter coats during Halloween. Where here in Tokyo, it's over 20 degrees. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of prepped for the winter. I'm going to be here till January. So I got a lot of layers, but uh, this is like summer. This is better than summer. I mean, when I was here, it was uh, way too hot. Man, so I'm just, yeah, walking down these little narrow back streets and I just turned the corner and saw Shrine Gate going somewhere. <laughs> Who knows, I'll just go there. But yeah, it just feels like Japan, like this feeling that I wouldn't have thought to articulate till I came back. You know, I didn't remember till I came back. Where I'm gonna say it smells like Japan, but it's not a smell. If there is a smell, it's really subtle. I think it might just be the type of humidity they have here. It just feels the same as when I was here before. Yeah, I'm not sure what this is, just a random shrine and a playground and people bowing and yeah, I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> Seems weird. I thought maybe it was the cemetery at first, but it does not appear to be. But anyway, if I'm going to be yammering to myself, I should probably not do it there. But even that, that that's just there. That's so cool. <laughs> I just love it on the most surface, shallow base level. I just love walking around Japan, it's so cool. I was thinking that, maybe I'll, I'll get into this first before I get into all the travel journeys because there's some big ups and big downs. But uh, I, I guess I always kind of thought I would like Japan because of just playing video games as a kid and then especially getting into manga and anime. And I sort of fell out of anime in the 80s and 90s. That was the style that I, I was into when I was a kid. But I stuck with manga a lot. I still, to this day, read lots of Japanese comics. And I never realized how much of it sunk in. And when you read comics about, like, kids growing up in the 80s in Japan, and how they just had, like, a different slant on the same kind of upbringing we had, the same video games, the same toys. Not entirely, but you know, there's a lot of crossover. And it's just so interesting to feel that. Because it's such radically different places. This feels so incredibly different from North America. And culturally, it's super different too. Like, I don't think I would want to live here. I don't think I would fit into Japanese society. I'm very much not wired that way. I'm like an annoying individualist. It might do me some good to uh, bow down to the crowd a little more. <laughs> Probably be a happier person. But we still have the same nostalgia, the same upbringing, the same childhood. It's weird. But then even beyond that, and again, I'm going to restate, this is super shallow. <laughs> There's no 
legitimacy to the things I'm saying. No research, no actual, it may not even be true. It's just the feeling I get. But I started rereading the manga Maison Koku by Rumiko Takahashi because Urutsu Yatsura and Ram No. 1 Half were two of the first manga I ever read. Two of my early faves, but Maison Koku is my favorite one. And it's this like slow burn domestic romance comic where it takes literally years for these characters who live together in the same apartment building. <laughs> apartment building, it's barely even that. It's like you get to learn what, what really cheap accommodations in the 1980s were like in Japan. Man, I just crossed some railroad tracks and I'm on this little tiny road that can barely fit one tiny car. Here comes another. Oh, this is a big truck. Let this one go by. All these like kind of weathered houses, power lines. It's actually, I guess there is a lot of power lines in this area, but not totally excessive. Last night I noticed by the place I'm staying, so many power lines like crazy. And in the distance, taller buildings, and it's just perfect blue sky, perfect weather. Man, man, I picked a good time to come. I was afraid it would just be kind of overcast the whole time I'm here, and I'm sure that's coming, but for now, it is perfect. Man, and now there's like one little road that's like twisting over to the right, and then it splits off, and I'm going up the hill to the left. Both of these are just little one-lane things. And I just love, man, I mean, I love... I love hills. I don't know why. I just love it. I love the ups and downs. It just makes an environment so much more interesting. Whether it's the great big mountains like in Vancouver, or just like here where it's just little mountains everywhere. I mean, going back to video games again, this is going to be the most shallow podcast of all time. It's like a video game level, which I guess isn't surprising, right? I mean, especially back in the 80s, all the good video games are from Japan. I just feel like I'm walking through that stuff. Man, this is great too. I mean, this is definitely what this podcast is going to be about. Is, you know, I'll accidentally see some stuff. I, I accidentally ended up at Shibuya Crossing last night. I'll get into that. How do you accidentally end up at the biggest pedestrian crossing in the world? But I just stumbled right into it. But this is really what I like. It's just, just random places. Just walking around the random neighborhoods. And there's a busier street coming up, although maybe I'll go there so I can... It's the trade-off, is that you get the sound of the traffic, but I can talk a little louder. <laughs> I feel so self-conscious. I gotta really keep it quiet while I'm in these little residential neighborhoods. I gotta get some water, too. There's been a ton of uh, vending machines, but... But I've only got 10,000 yen bills. <laughs> I remember these little things all like taking the Suica card, but I guess they don't. I guess that's only at like more major ones at stations and stuff. Oh yeah, but what I was saying about Maisonokoku, so yeah, it's just this ramshackle building <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's basically just rooms. But that was a normal boarding house in the 80s and before. And it takes years for these characters, for this romance to develop. Well, it's like night and day. It gets so much busier all of a sudden. Although there's the 7-Eleven across the street and a Lawson's on the corner. I'm in Japan, all right. But not quite yet. I don't want to go onto the busy street while I'm in the middle of talking about this slow burn romance of Maison Koku. It takes years for these characters to get together. And reading it again now that I'm, all these years later, it's, 
If anything, it's better than I remember. I don't necessarily recommend the Maison Okoku anime because it's like 80s style to a fault. So it's kind of, it feels silly, kind of. But the manga is gorgeous, beautiful. And very unique. I've never, I can't, like I even, I went searching. Like, are there any other stories like this? Not just manga, but any? And other people were asking that too. And no one could really come up with one of just like, it's about people in their 20s. And it's just this romance that takes place over years and years and years. But when I say romance, so little romantic happens because it's like, it's about courtly manners, you know? It's like what I understand a Jane Austen book to be like. But I feel like it just, I understand it on a surface level. Obviously I don't actually understand all the intricacies of Japanese society. And like I said, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would never even attempt to become part of that system. I do feel like if you didn't grow up with it, you're fighting a serious uphill battle. But just in general, being a kind of inwardly focused, you know, hopefully empathetic, you know, writerly ass fuck who just tries to empathize with situations and with people. You just feel that coming off of it so strongly. And it's there in other Japanese media too, to smaller degrees. But that whole thing of just like, hey, don't step on my toes, you know? The social mores are different from a North American nerd, but, but that we have them, you know? That uh, there is that feeling of like, everybody's stepping on your toes and stepping over boundaries that they don't see. And in North America, it's just un unspoken because people don't know about it. <laughs> They're unaware of it. Or in Japan, it's unspoken, but everyone knows about it. Everyone's aware of it. All right, I'm gonna take a little break. I gotta get some water at the very least. All right, in my random wanderings, my one kind of goal is I'm vaguely trying to get to a library so I can charge my laptop. I used up all the battery on the plane. And the least of the problems at my Airbnb is uh, that there's no three-pronged plugs anywhere. It's all two-pronged. It's nice that Japan runs on the same power system as North America. Like when I was in uh, Amsterdam, I had to get a, an adapter. Here you don't need to, but yeah, no, uh, no plugs for the old laptop. But I'll get into that. That's, uh, again, like I said, that's the least of the issues at this fucking place. But it looks like there's a little park near this library, so maybe I'll head there. Check out the 7-Eleven hall. <laughs> As if there's not enough like videos on YouTube, right, of just people going to 7-Eleven and stuff. I'm up in the ante. You don't even get to see it. I'm just gonna talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, what was the deal before? I mean, like having this, uh, this phone I'm using, again, I just use it for Wi-Fi. It doesn't have a data plan or anything. It's a Pixel 2, so it's uh, 2018 or so. It's a little bit old, but it's like an actual decent smartphone. And just having the little map and the little GPS and the little blue dot of where I am, it's just crazy to think I didn't have that last time. I was just wandering blindly all the time. Except, I guess, whatever my cheap... I had like a 7-Eleven phone. It was just shit. But I would get Wi-Fi from convenience stores and stuff and figure out where I was. 
I don't know, I feel like it must have had the blue dot technology, but I just remember it was so bad. It never worked, so I just didn't use it. Where this one is pretty remarkable. I just got it, it's not even refurbished. It was a, uh, a display model. It was just sitting in a store until the Google image, the G, slightly burned into the screen. So I got this like crazy, at the time, like $900 phone for like $60 Canadian, <laughs> insane. I was thinking too, uh, the exchange rate, you know, people used to say that the American and Japanese conversion was about one to one, one penny for one yen to make rough estimates, but that's really not accurate anymore. The American dollar's worth a lot more, but not the Canadian one. When I got 30,000 yen out of the machine at the airport, it cost me 290 something Canadian. It's almost exactly one to one. So I think when I do prices, instead of trying to figure out the yen, because you're basically just expressing it in pennies, it's always, this is a thousand yen, this was 15,000 yen. It never quite works for my brain. So I'm just gonna say it in the Canadian amount. So for example, I was just trying to figure out what to do now with money. I've been a moneyless person for years in COVID times back in Canada. I might have like a $20 bill in my wallet just in case, but eventually I stopped even doing that. So I was like, what am I gonna do with this money? <laughs> so at the very least with the bills, I also noticed I've got a Band-Aid in my wallet where the bills used to go. And I'm like, oh, that was, what, uh, what foresight. Good thinking, Keith, in case you get a blister or something. So I put the Band-Aid in between the tens and then I've got a $100 bill and a 50. Again, I'm speaking in <laughs> Canadian terms, really a 10,000 yen, a 5,000 yen, and then the thousand yens. I won't say dollar bill, I guess, that's incredibly wrong. But I'll just say it as, you know, I got, I got a hundred, I got a 50, I got some tens. But then I was like, what am I gonna do with these coins? <laughs> I have a little thing for coins in my wallet, but it's not good for it. They sort of slide out. So at least if it's a 50 yen or a hundred yen or a 500, you know, I'll, I'll pay attention to those. The smaller ones, especially the one, the one's insane, but even smaller than that, this is coming back to me now. It's like the, your job when you buy stuff is to try to give the right change just so it doesn't accumulate. I mean, the one yen coins, they're gonna accumulate. I don't know, I'm just gonna end up leaving the country with 300 of these fucking things. <laughs> That's just what's gonna happen. But I think I might actually, maybe I should buy like a coin purse or something. I honestly don't know what to do <laughs> with these coins. Also, man, this particular road I'm on, uh, oh, I just, I just passed the sign. Should have written it down, but wait, I've got the phone. Just so I can at least say where I really am. It's relatively close to Shibuya, that's why I got this place. So I could have an easy time finding my first Airbnb. Because it would be by a major place. Sangenjaya is what this neighborhood is called. And there's like a lot of bicycles on this main street. And I'm not sure the etiquette. I can't quite figure it out. There's a bike lane on some of the street. Generally though, they're on the sidewalk and I can't figure out the left or the right. At first I was walking on the right, but that seemed wrong. And I was like, well, they don't drive on the right here, so maybe it's the left. 
but it seems pretty random unless I'm just really not picking up something here. Everybody just seems to be doing whatever, which there's not that much bike traffic, so it's not a big deal. It kind of reminds me of like when I was a kid in the 80s, just bike on the sidewalk. There were no laws, lawless, just don't smash into somebody. I just got to be mindful. It's not like Amsterdam or something where if you don't understand the bike rules, you're about to die. Oh, I see. For this neighborhood, at least, there's signs on the ground that say walk on the left, ride bike on the right. Although that's only because I'm walking in this direction. Obviously, if I was going the other way, it would be reversed. So again, yeah, I guess I was right. There was no left or right. It was depending on which way I was going because I've gone both ways on this street. So maybe that's a, a pro tip. Look at the ground. There might be signs <laughs> telling you what to do. Which is one thing I like, again, with my just vague generalizations about Japan and not actually understanding anything, is that they do have a lot of stuff delineated. Once you know how the rules work, it's pretty easy to navigate, which makes it a lot more comfortable to come here as a visitor who doesn't understand anything, because I'm really, I know a tiny little bit of Japanese terminology from, again, just from anime and manga video games. Not enough to communicate with anybody. Like when I was just at that 7-Eleven, I did not understand a damn word that guy was saying. But you know, you can just tell by context clues. I presumed he was asking about the bag. I don't know how I figured. I mean, what else would he be asking about, I guess? I just, you know, because I had a bag on my back. I just nodded like, yep, it's all good. I'm good. And he said daijobu, which I do know that word because there's a song from the anime Child's Toy. So I know that too. Kodomo no omochiya. So I know the words child, toy, and the song is called Daijobu, which means, are you okay? So in this case, he was obviously asking, you okay without a bag? And that's definitely a difference from uh, before the pre-COVID world. Everybody was giving me bags whether I wanted them or not. It was like awkward to not have one because then they had to put stickers on all the stuff to show that I bought it. <laughs> so, so that's kind of nice in a way. So I don't just build up a bunch of bags He's even just there. Um, some guy, when he was walking by, kind of gave me a little look of like, what's, what's this guy doing? Why is he holding this thing? But I guess it's like when people just get used to vlogging, I mean, that's a lot more intrusive and a lot more, you know, having the camera with the selfie stick and everything. But again, they get used to it. This is way more subtle than that. I'm just holding a little stick with a fuzzy thing on the top. But you do just get used to it. It's just like, yeah, you know, sure, it's a little weird, but... I mean, it's less weird here. On a major street, I'm walking up past a McDonald's now. <laughs> it's weirder, I guess, before when I was in those little tiny, quiet residential neighborhoods. Oh, I just passed a little smoking triangle. Just a tiny little triangle. They used to have like much larger, even though I was only here four or five years ago, much larger smoking areas. That one is small. They are uh, <laughs> making it clear smoking is getting Damped out around here. All right, let's find that little park. Get somewhere a little more quiet. Man, I can't believe how complicated that was. I think I already, in my first full day here, technically I got here yesterday, but I think I already learned a lesson about my precious little map. It's probably better if I just don't use it, except in a very general sense, because all it did was, uh, send me on a wild goose chase to a thing that I otherwise wouldn't have known about and gave me the mistaken idea that I could get there. 
Because man, that sent me down some totally weird twisting side streets. So complicated and circuitous. But that also reminded me like, oh yeah, I mean, that's what I like about this place. I like being lost. I like that feeling of not knowing where I am. Like I remember when I first moved to Vancouver and just like, just having no idea, just wandering. It's like, I don't even know what the heck's happening. I remember that day in particular, I finally just got on a bus and let it take me to a hub so I could get situated from there. And then after that, when I moved to Toronto, I didn't get as lost in Toronto. It's pretty much a grid, but I did still get lost some. And I remember kind of as that came to an end, I was like, oh yeah, at the point where I can't really get lost in Toronto anymore. That's a shame. Where here, you can't not get lost. <laughs> Grids barely exist here in the center or when I was uh, out by Akigawa or in Fukuoka, just anywhere. It's just not how they design stuff. And that was a perfect example. Man, it took me so long to like slowly circle around and figure out how to get to this place. And then it really wasn't a park anyway. It was more, again, more of a, uh, you know, shrines and statues and it was all walled off and it was very quiet. No one was there and it just really did not seem like that's where I should go to pull out all my 7-Eleven crap and start yammering about it. In fact, I don't know where I should go <laughs> to pull out my 7-Eleven crap and start yammering about it. In North America, I would just eat as I walk around, but you know, that's a little less uh, what you do around here. In fact, you just don't, you just don't do that. And I think beyond a coin purse, I might have to get a little bag just for my garbage too. I realize my back pocket is still full of all of my wrappers for uh, just cough drops I was eating on the plane to uh, keep my ears from popping or to make my ears pop or whatever. And uh, I don't know how I'm gonna get rid of even just that stuff that's in my back pocket. There used to be a lot more outdoor garbages outside of uh, convenience stores, but I haven't seen any. I just saw, I have seen a couple of like bottle places you can dump your bottles at the places where you buy bottled drinks. But I wonder if that's a COVID thing or if it's just coincidence that I just haven't run into any. But yeah, I think a little, uh, a little coin purse and just a little wrapper bag <laughs> would be very handy. And I can hear that crow really loudly, but above me is just a just a tangle of uh, power lines. I don't even know where it is. Man, the, uh, the traffic too on these little streets, it reminds me a lot of Kensington Market in Toronto, which is just a tiny little, you know, it's only a few blocks square, if even. But it's like this ancient part of Toronto that has different fire codes and stuff, so it does feel pretty different. And there's a lot of pedestrians, but you are allowed to drive through there technically for, you know, deliveries and stuff for the businesses. But it always seems weird. It's like, why are cars even allowed here at all? Because <laughs> it's just, they just, it's awkward. And man, central Tokyo sort of feels just like a uh, gigantic, less square, less grid-based Kensington market that just never ends. It just goes and goes and goes. Geez, now I'm starting to think this thing is following me. Does it know something I don't? Am I gonna die? I hear some random stairs, I'm gonna go up these. So yeah, I'm just gonna wander. I'm just gonna wander and something will happen. <laughs> something will happen eventually. 
Actually, maybe I'll head back to that. I'm gonna head back to that library because there's no other libraries listed anywhere near here. And I have a feeling if I wander away from there, I won't be back today. So I just wanna at least scope it out even if I don't fully charge my computer today. But I just drank this little coffee I got from 7-Eleven. <laughs> Let me just yammer about that. I think this episode is just gonna be about this because this is all I really wanna talk about is just random stuff that's happening to me in Japan. I got a bunch of stories about traveling here because it was like 50-50. The actual travel was awesome. And then arriving was a shit show. But I can yammer about that next time, you know. Now that I'm here, I just want to talk about stupid crap. So yeah, 7-Eleven. It's one of those things that I mostly forgot about, but I did, once in a while, it would come back to me during COVID lockdown. I'm like, oh yeah, remember those? Is my favorite coffee to get there is just this little coffee that comes in a little plastic cup with a, a little plastic thing on top that I guess you could peel off, but you're supposed to just poke it with a straw, like a Capri Sun. And it's kind of hard out of the machines to get coffee that doesn't have sugar in it. Like the one I grabbed last night just to fuel me to my Airbnb. Very sugary, it was like, if you ever ate the cereal sugar crisp and then you just drank the milk that's left afterward, that's exactly what it tasted like. It's very hard to get unsweetened coffee out of the machines. So 7-Eleven had these little coffees, the little lattes that, uh, there's the sweet one, which I never tried, and there's the blue labeled one. That is what I had to get today because it's all I could find. It was okay, at least it didn't have sugar, but it was just coffee and, uh, and cream. But my favorite one had a green top and it was like the dark one, the bitter one, and it tasted so goddamn good. And they had a bunch of the other two, but they didn't have that one. And I'm like, oh, I hope, uh, I hope they still make that. I hope that's not just gone. And in fact, since I'm in the land of plenty, there's a 7-Eleven right in front of me. Why don't I just go in and see? Let me just see if they have the green labeled one. Not looking good. They uh, also didn't have it. So instead what I got, still a valuable learning experience. They had a cocoa one. So I'm like, okay, I'll try that. But I think it was actually just cocoa. It wasn't like coffee at all. But I drank it while I was in there so I could throw it away. Got rid of those uh, cough drop wrappers while I was at it. But it looks like with coins, another COVID type measure, you can just feed the coins into a machine. You don't have to give it to the person. I guess that's how the money came out too. All, all the coins and change came out of a machine instead of being handed over. So that's pretty handy. Man, I don't realize most of the time how noisy it is. A lot of construction in this neighborhood because I tend to keep my my little like earbud headphones in even when I'm just walking around. <laughs> At least that's a better sound than construction. Yeah, I tend to leave them in as just kind of little surrogate earplugs because they're a little bit like earplugs. They just dull the world a little because I have just really sensitive ears. Sometimes I'll put on a podcast so that extra dulls what's going on around me. I don't really listen to music when I'm walking in a place like Japan because uh, just being careful that I'm not messing something up. And this neighborhood really is just so many bicycles. But then I flip on the recorder and it's the reverse. Instead of the headphones uh, blocking out noise a little bit, 
suddenly they amplify because I can hear, you know, I just listen back to the recording while it's going to make sure it's all working okay. So I get an amplified idea of what sound is going on. It's like, oh, geez, cities are loud, man, even relatively quiet ones like this. Even this, though, like right now, I'm not on one of the more major streets. This is a semi-major one. And I mean, compared to Montreal, right? Like, I like Montreal, too. I think Montreal is quite traffic calmed. But listening back to some of those episodes, I'm like, man, that's loud as hell. <laughs> All you can hear is cars. At least around here, like that scooter that just drove off. Perfect example. You get uh, bursts of noise, but it's not generally continuous. But anyway, um, whatever that library thing was, I don't know. I don't know what they were talking about. And is he anything remotely close to a library? There was kind of a big building with some banking stuff and some kind of theater, theater group or something. Oh, here's a little walking path. Les bicyclettes sont interdits. No bikes. Yeah, there's a bike, <laughs> but hey, that's fine. Still very few bikes. So I'm gonna walk down this thing. Because yeah, what they did have in that building, God bless Japan, public washroom. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. I literally, today I did my favorite thing in the world. I woke up, I wandered randomly around some cool neighborhood. I drank excessive amounts of coffee and then I found easy access to a public washroom and I peed. <laughs> I've done it, I did it all. It's all I wanna do. And a couple other white guys speaking the English came into that bathroom and just for a second I wanted to be like, hey, whoa, what's up? But only because I just got here, that's all. That I still think it's novel to see a tourist, but it won't be soon. They're everywhere, they're all over the place. They don't care about me, I ain't special. And particularly in a washroom. It's not the place to make friends. <laughs> it's a place to just uh, pay attention to your own dick. But what I realized, the reason I ended up at this somewhat dubious Airbnb somewhat, it's just fucking terrible, but I'll talk about it next episode, is because on the map, I was like, hey, look at that. It's only an hour's walk from here to Yoyogi Park, one of the first big landmarks I ever figured out how to get to in Japan. And I remember right by Yoyogi Park is a big three-floor Starbucks. So I was thinking both things, like I'm not really close, but I'm like, why don't I just meander that way? Get up to Yoyogi Park, I can finally eat this stuff that is uh, burning a hole in my book bag. And then maybe, maybe I'll hit up the uh, three-story Starbucks, see if they have a place to plug in a laptop. They might. I remember it being, for how uh, busy that neighborhood is, I remember it being pretty quiet in there, but I might have just got lucky. Because then, right after I had that plan, I walked by another big three-story Starbucks. And it's real busy. And uh, I'm still feeling a little intimidated, <laughs> you know? I'm brand new, I just got here. It's surprising how much stuff I'm not remembering. Oh, here's a nice little uh, public pond. I wonder, I did try, Google Translate is also a thing I didn't have last time. I tried it on the directory at that uh, building to make sure <laughs> there wasn't a library and <laughs> there did not seem to be. Let me try it on this sign. I found this to be of dubious quality so far, but let's see. 
to everyone who uses Green Roads. The Green Road has a management agreement with residents and districts, cooperates and cleans up. We'll protect the following so anyone can use it comfortably. Let's all be clean. Let's make green flowers and trees. Death, empty pins, and empty kang. Let's throw away. And there's probably like cans and stuff, I think is what they mean. Maybe. <laughs> Car and motorcycles prohibited. Bicycles should drop their speed. Dogs, bring your owner. <laughs> That's funny, and do not bother others. Please give me your father. Some of the fluff may be unexpected by a glass piece or a stone cad. If your child goes in the water, please give a guidance. So yeah, just be careful in this pond because there could be glass and stuff in there. But I mean, that's a good example, I guess, of uh, Oh, and over here is way better. There's a little sign that's got little cartoon feet that are very sad because a piece of glass is stuck in them. I wonder if that's close enough that I can take a picture of it. But yeah, that's what I tend to find here is that, you know, it's clear, I mean, all that stuff is obvious, right? You know, it's obvious what that sign means and it's all stuff that everybody should already know. Like, hey, this is a public cool thing. Please be cool with it. But then, failing that, cartoons. I'm going to put this on my Instagram. Novel pod on Instagram, by the way. Jeez, I feel like that's that same bird. I feel like it's waiting for my corpse. But yeah, there's a lot of the little cartoons, too. Of, uh, hey, sticky feet, or, uh, hey, please uh, don't stand a foot back from the urinal, gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, here's another one. Uh, dogs. A nice dog on a leash with water. And do not groom your pet in public. And do not let it poop. Good advice. Here's another cartoon. Watch out for cyclists. So cyclists almost hitting a small child. So yeah, I mean, even though everything is pretty obvious to begin with, the cartoons really make it extra obvious. That's just one of those things, too, again, I, I, keep, uh, I keep restating this, but I think it's important to mention that the, my whole, like, I, I, know, I know what I am. I'm a shallow, shallow tourist, a shallow traveler. I like Japan on a shallow level. I know my place. But on that shallow level, oh, geez, this pond, it's like a stream that goes all the way. Oh, that's actually really pretty. Yeah, I was going to say more generally for anyone who's curious. Even though this specific neighborhood is Sangenjaya, more largely this is Setagaya City, next to Shibuya. Or anyone trying to find it, wait a minute, what is this? I know I just said I should just wander and let the wandering take me, but Setagaya Park, that's a lot closer than Yayogi. And it's got a little tree icon. <laughs> That's got to be good. And this that I'm at right now, this is perfect. This is exactly kind of, uh, I mean, when I would think about coming back to Japan, a lot of it, I guess because what I did while I was at home was I would just daydream about <laughs> traveling and just think of, so obviously I could only think about the places that I'd been. So my thinking was I should just go back to all the places that I've been. I was gonna get all the same Airbnbs and go to all the same places, and I couldn't because they weren't available. But I am still doing the same basic route. Tokyo, Fukuoka, outskirts of Tokyo. 
but different little places and like yeah this is perfect man this is so nice this little walking trail with this nice like little man-made stream that goes along it there's one of these by Ikebukuro too but it doesn't have the stream but yeah nice add this to the itinerary I mean I knew deep down that it would be better to go to new places because it's never as good going back to places you know going back to your old neighborhoods and stuff it always seems like it's going to be a little more moving than it is i'm still going to do a bunch of that but finding new stuff is it is the best i just wish it was easier to remember setagaya city is easy to remember but i keep having to look it up Sanginjaya. that one does not stick in my brain but whatever i'll be able to find it again it's right by shibuya <laughs> Oh, I was just thinking that uh, this little walking path might be a better place to just stop and chill. Because I'm still a little ways from Setagaya Park. I gotta cross a pretty major street to get there. And just as I was thinking that, I saw some benches. So as long as I'm not obnoxiously loud, and I take all my garbage with me, I think this is an okay place eat this 7-Eleven stuff that, uh, you know, probably shouldn't be in my bag for too long. God, this weather is perfect. Imagine the perfect day. I'm not sure what 20, 21 degrees Celsius is in Fahrenheit, but just imagine perfect. Imagine perfect weather. But yeah, if anything, it's like just a little bit too warm. It's a little too warm. It's enough to make you sweat. But basically perfect. And there's a breeze and it's the blue sky, but there are clouds in it too. Like, but like the pretty Simpsons clouds. This is fucking perfect. This is like literally perfect weather. This is the best. I really thought by the time I got here, especially with uh, Montreal being overcast the whole time and Calgary being a literal below zero snowstorm place, <laughs> you know, where they did de-ice the plane. I mean, obviously that's Canada. But this, I didn't expect it to be this good. I thought I would already, you know, I kind of thought coming here in the fall that uh, it might, you know, I had a slight, like, am I going to regret this a little? Is it going to be just gray and overcast every day? And like I said, maybe that's coming. But I think that'll be fine. You know, it's probably still better than the height of summer and everything and the horrible humidity. But geez, even if this only lasts today, this is so good. I cannot believe how good this is. This is as good as any of the days that I was ever here before. So, okay, let's see what I got. I got some kind of chips, <laughs> just because mostly I got extra stuff because I was breaking a hundred. You know, I felt like I should buy a little more than I might normally because I was breaking such a big bill. And chips are a little weird in Japan because they're not bad, but they're not amazing. There's something weird about them. Like, I'm sure my friend Brad will come up many times on this podcast because he's the whole reason I came to visit Japan. And uh, he's the only person I knew when I was here before. But he's, uh, he's big into chips. He's, uh, he knows his potato chips. And he said it was like the only thing he was a little disappointed by when you go into the kombini. You know, you go in and just everything in the convenience store is the greatest thing ever, you know. People who have been to Japan or live here, they're like, ah, it's overrated. But trust me, it's not overrated. If you've just visited, you just come here occasionally, it's the best. I mean, I'm sure I'll branch out a little. Like I was saying before about how when you know the rules to stuff, 
The only restaurant I know the rules to is uh, Coco Ichiban, the curry place. Because I went with bread and now I and I went there by myself a couple of times because I, I knew how it worked. I knew how to order. I knew all the processes and you order the, the heat and the amount of rice and how everything goes. They have English menus, but I could order even with a Japanese one. I could order with nobody being able to speak to me, which is cool. But in general, I feel a bit apprehensive about that because when you bump into someone and there's a lot of people in, in Tokyo that really don't speak English, you just get like completely stonewalled. It's like absolute, it's over. You can't talk to them. And it's very uncomfortable and I don't like it and it's my fault. I'm the one who hasn't learned any Japanese and is not trying to learn any Japanese. So I don't get to interact with people. It's just not how it is. And that's fine. I'll just go to the kombini all the time. But since I was buying extra stuff, I got some chips just to try. Cause I don't know what these are. Oh, again, well, hold on, hold on. Let's give it another try. We got the Google Translate. That's one thing, man. I was having a hard time with the fingerprint sensor on my two phones. I was like, did something happen from flying? Is it because I'm dehydrated? Did my fingerprints shrivel? Finally, one of the phones brought up a little message that said sensor is dirty. And I was like, oh, my sensor is just filthy. That's why. <laughs> and yeah, that seemed to fix it. But yeah, this, it's like uh, breaded fried chicken with some sauce on it. And I just noticed now red peppers. So that could be good. It looks good. But I think I'm going to save those for later because they can obviously stay. But let's try the translate. What do you got for me? Cocaya Strong. Let me flatten the bag a bit. I'm afraid not. Yeah, I find this thing, uh, I mean, it's still amazing. This is amazing technology. I'm not, uh, I mean, the fact that it can read, that I could read anything is amazing. But I have a feeling it's one of these things that I'll probably just give up pretty quickly because uh, it so often doesn't work. And, uh, and again, what do I care? What do I need to know? It's got breaded fried chicken, some sauce, and red peppers. So yeah, I'll save you the... <laughs> this is already a weird podcast anyway, where I'm just talking about stuff in Japan. But I'll save you the, let me try to Google Translate. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> Let's just give up on that right now. If something does work, I'll let you know. But then I just got some onigiri, which I did... Uh, I kind of learned how to make slightly decent onigiri at home. It's like the one thing I could kind of make. I got spicy pollock roe and tuna mayo and yeah these probably shouldn't be in my book bag all day in this weather so I'm gonna eat these right now and then normally that would have been enough but I also got a chicken cutlet with sauce which is just a breaded chicken cutlet in bread you know sandwich and uh, they always cut the crust off which is a shame I like crust but you know hey whatever so I guess I didn't really get that much stuff. Oh yeah, here we go. They had some crunky in there and crunky is what I would always get before I went mountain hiking in Fukuoka. Some water and some crunky. It's just chocolate, you know, little chocolate things. Little chocolate ball type things. But they only had one kind of crunky there and it uh, was just kind of normal, plain old uh, normal crunky. <laughs> Maybe it had like rice in it. I don't know, whatever it was. I was like, yeah, nah. instead I got Meiji strawberry chocolate but yeah i'll save that too again i was just this was basically as much as i could hold in my arms as well as the uh coffee and some water so i don't know how much this came to but got a nice whack of change back so i don't have just hundreds anymore 
Anyway, I'm not going to record the process of eating this stuff because uh, it's one of my things with having sensitive hearing. I don't think I have full-on misophonia, but I don't especially like the sound of people eating. <laughs> it's kind of gross. So uh, just imagine that I'm eating it and that it's delicious and that I'm stashing my garbage somewhere, which I am probably just in my back pocket for now while I desperately look for a home for it. Yeah, I guess since I'm not going to any particular parks now, I can just go back to wandering. So maybe that'll just be today's thing. If I can find somewhere to plug in my laptop, that's cool. But if not, whatever. I'll just wait till tomorrow. Who cares? I think today's mission is just to try to find a store where I can buy some little bags. Some kind of little dollar store, maybe Don Quixote or something. Buy some bags. For now, I'm gonna eat stuff. It's so cool too. I'm sure you've seen it on a million YouTube videos if you haven't had them yourself. But these uh, onigiri from Japan, they're just... Uh, it's just rice with some stuff in the middle and it's wrapped in nori, which is just seaweed, but it's really complicated. The package has got number one, pulled down. <laughs> number two, pull back these parts. Number three, pull this side to the right. Number four, pull this side to the left. So it keeps the seaweed separate from the rice so it doesn't uh, get soggy. And I mean, what is this thing, like a dollar and 20 cents or something? <laughs> it's so elaborate. But yeah, I remember in the video game Alex Kidd in Miracle World, which I had a Sega before I got a Nintendo, so he was our Mario. The game's no good, but, you know, it was good to us when we were kids. And Sega stuff was a lot less um, localized, which is where they just go and take out all the Japanese references and put in American ones. You know, like there is a version of Alex Kidd, I think in the European version, where at the end of the level he just eats a hamburger. But in the one I had, he eats onigiri, he eats these rice balls, and I didn't ever know what it was. I thought it was like a, just this precious gem he was kissing or something, <laughs> that he's just so happy to have it, but it turns out that was just their weird two-step animation of him chowing down. But that's a good example. Having Sega stuff especially really helped just Japanese stuff sink into my brain. And you just can't beat nostalgia, you know? I mean, that's why... You know, with the North Americans, it's all about like, oh man, please make more Star Wars movies and please make more whatever. I guess the generation after me, it's Harry Potter. And that stuff just doesn't work for me that well because they just get burned out on it too much. So I think that's one reason why, like I was saying before, digging into French stuff brings back all these memories of weird French comics and things that I haven't thought about in decades. And I've kept more in touch with Japanese stuff by a long shot than I do French stuff, but still, there's still stuff from way back that it's buried deep in my mind. And when you come here, it's just here. Like I remember in Fukuoka, Brad took me to this, uh, you know, it was like a retro shop. It was really big. And there's all these old toys and all these old video games. And like, I didn't know all of it. I probably only knew 20 or 30% of it, but that's still a lot of stuff that I'm like, holy crap, I haven't thought about that in so long. And I just like this place, just the city, just where I am right now. Just that it's just this little walking path and it's all beautiful and pretty and I can just sit here. People are just strolling by. It's fucking beautiful, man. I love it. I just And this is right by Shibuya. This is before I've even gotten to like the outskirts. This is when I'm still in uh, Shitsville. Like, you know, I'm still, I'm right in the center where everything kind of, I mean, last night, I'll get into it next episode, but getting here and just fighting through the crowds and the subways and 
as like, oh, geez, that's right. I don't really like this part of, of Tokyo. I don't like being in the middle. I don't like Shibuya. I don't like Shinjuku. This, this is not what I like. But you just get outside of it a little bit and it's awesome immediately. It's just so nice and calm. In fact, I'm the one who's probably ruining it by yammering. So I'm gonna shut up now and eat this stuff. Oh, I haven't turned my head yet, but you hear that? That's English. He was like, oh, okay, like, because I've got an opening right now, that would be like perfect for you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and I want to like shoot you an offer. But... I was gonna say, I was gonna guess at first, many times, you know, when there's somebody here who's a tourist, it's just a carbon copy of me walking down the street toward me. It's just another tall, skinny, white guy who grew up with fucking anime who's walking around Japan. But I knew before I turned my head that guy was gonna, just because of, he's talking the business speak, you know, just saying the, uh, just the way that they talk, you know, that phony baloney way with all the coded language that just lets you know, like, by the way, I'm a business person. I'm doing the business and you are doing the business with me. We shall not speak normally. We shall use these terms that are just kind of cloying. So yeah, when I did turn my head, he's got sunglasses, he's got his hair slicked back. He's a cool customer. <laughs> he's not just a big dork like me. All right, really, I gotta stop talking. Jeez, Keith, shut up, shut the F up. I know you're excited, but if you don't eat some food, that crow that won't stop following you is gonna eat your body. <laughs> Whew. That was too much to eat. <laughs> I ate both onigiri and I ate the chicken cutlet sandwich and I shouldn't have eaten the chips, but I just wanted to try them. They looked so good on the package and they were the weak link. They were just like, whatever. But yeah, this is also bringing back because I'm a skinny gentleman. Another reason why I didn't go too far out of my way to explore beyond convenience stores is I get full so fast. I remember this last time I was in Japan, just wishing I could get hungry more often so I could go to the convenience store more and try more things. Oh man, so this, uh, this walking path, it's actually really long. On Google Maps, it's like a little green line and it just keeps going and going. So I'm just still walking down it. The uh, little stream comes and goes, but it's back here. There's little crayfish in here. What are these little things flopping around? I don't know if those are fish or bugs. I think they're insects of some kind. And there's these two crayfish that are on either end of something. It just looks like, I don't think it's, I think it's just a plant. Maybe it's not though. Maybe they caught something. I can't really tell from where I am. Maybe it's like a moth or something? Because why would they care about like a flower? Whatever it is, they're on each end of it. Oh, here comes a third one. It must be valuable, whatever it is, because they're battling for this thing. Anyway, I'm glad, uh, I think this episode went extremely well. This is kind of, uh, now that I'm finally in Japan, I think it's telling that uh, I'm putting off telling the story of how I got to Japan, even though there's a bunch of story to tell. So now that I'm finally here, this is when I had this idea of like, I wonder if I can sort of capture what it was like to visit Japan, because it was so good the first time. And I feel like uh, that's what happened today. I think this is it. This is the this is the make or break episode. If you like this episode, stay tuned because uh, 
Hopefully there'll be many, many more to go. And if you wish this podcast was more interesting than this, it's not gonna be. This is what I got. Whoa. Now that I'm further down in this pond, there's a fish in here. It's fucking giant. It's like the size of my, no, not quite the size of my forearm, but pretty close. I thought there might be like some small fish in here somewhere. And there's these weird little like spider looking bugs on the surface that are running from the fish. But yeah, I also think this is kind of, uh, kind of perfect where, uh, you know what, I'll just tell you, sneak preview for tomorrow. So, you know, little things going wrong today. I don't know how to get rid of my garbage. I can't plug in my laptop. Those are very tiny. But yeah, I'm aggressively trying not to go back to this Airbnb because it has many other problems as well, but it has bed bugs. Horrifying. There's more big fish. But yeah, I'm only there for like five days. I don't know that there's anything I can do. I think I just got to assume everything I own is contaminated. You know, I checked myself extremely well, extremely carefully before I left, but any clothing that's still there and stuff. My next Airbnb has a washer and dryer, so I'm gonna be very careful to check all my stuff before I leave. And then the first thing I do when I get to the new place is I'm just gonna clean all my clothes. and. You know, I mean, uh, bed bugs, man. I'll get into it, I guess, more, but I've had experience with them in the past. There's really, it's very, that property is in trouble. I don't know what to do about the property, but for me personally, because I don't have that much stuff, my mission is to not take them anywhere else, and I'm confident I can. It's not necessarily that big of a deal, but it's just, it's very demoralizing. Bed bugs are a bad situation. So, I especially don't want to go back there <laughs> because I just want to go sleep the minimum amount that I need to sleep and get the fuck out of there. But if there is an upside to that, which there isn't, but it's that I would have done that anyway. That's the plan. That's what was kind of making me stir crazy and nuts in my hometown is that my favorite thing to do is to just never go home. <laughs> you know, just to go home to go to sleep. I just want to be out in a city all day. I just want to go out and do stuff. And I could do that pretty successfully in, I'd say the Vancouver area is the next easiest place. And then with various levels of difficulty in Montreal, Toronto, New York, Amsterdam. But there's no city easier than Tokyo and no city second easier than Fukuoka. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm assuming probably all of Japan is more or less to my liking. If you just want to walk around and live your life out in the city, like it's just perfect. This is the place. Oh, now there's flowers and butterflies. Are you fucking kidding me? This is so amazing. And again, like this is the place where last night I was like, uh oh, did I make a mistake? Like, I picked this place because I wanted to find, you know, if I got lost, which I did. <laughs> you know, I knew how to get to the major station. So I knew from here, you get to Shibuya Station, you take uh, the, as if I remember the line name, some, some train line I never heard of, to Sanginjaya Station. And thank goodness <laughs> that, you know, I did pick a place. I mean, in hindsight, I wish I had not picked this place, but 
but I think the theory was correct of just like, like I'll tell you next episode, but it was such a disaster getting from the airport. Everything was just like, wow, what a ridiculous. So late at night, super jet lagged, exhausted, confused. <laughs> it was good to have a hostel I could actually get to. But, you know, the place is awful. But that that just doesn't even matter. Like, it's just so good to be back here. It's just so, so awesome that that doesn't even come close to counterbalancing, you know? Maybe if I had booked a month there, I'd be like, now, what the hell is this? I gotta, I gotta break this lease. I gotta get out of here. It's only, it's less than a week. It sucks. But everything else is so good. Man, so I'm uh, on the other side now. I guess this is the same stream, it just crossed over. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, tons of these big fish. I wish I could tell you what kind of fish it is, but I just know nothing. <laughs> I mean, I always think of goldfish when you think of just pond fish, right? Oh, and as you look more, oh, there's small ones. Oh man, yeah, there's a bunch of smaller ones and then even smaller than that. <laughs> like the Russian nesting dolls are going down in size. There's like 30 of those. Oh, geez, yeah, and the more you look, it's like, geez, there's this more and more. This is the best. I'm like Carl Pilkington just staring at ants. I can do this forever. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, surely, surely I'll just stumble upon more stuff I could ramble about, but I'm going to be here for 90 days. I got my 90 days, so let's call that an episode. Let's plan on talking about the trip next episode, but if I don't get around to it, you know, I figure, I guess I shouldn't put it off too long because I'll forget details, but, but again, it's, uh, it's, it's slightly interesting, I think, my, my lead-up episodes and, like, how I got here, you know, it's relevant. But to me, this is the main event, just, just being here. Oh, man, there's a great big overpass ahead of me. This reminds me a lot, actually, of from Naka Itabashi. If you walk down, there's a, like a ravine, maybe, maybe a bit bigger than a ravine. I'm not sure what it's called, but down toward Oji Station, it's kind of like this. It's a really pretty path, but then you get to these big overpasses, and big super highways. And this is happening here, too. But I love that, too. I love that about this, like that, that everything's so mixed together. It's so cool. Oh yeah, and when I was saying too that there's something that just feels like Japan or maybe smells like Japan, I think there is in fact a smell. And what it kind of smells like is clean laundry that's just being hung out to dry. And I thought of that because where I was sitting earlier eating my 7-Eleven stuff, there's not a lot of dryers in Japan. It's not that popular. So there was just laundry hanging. And I don't think that's what the smell is. It's not like that smell would just permeate the whole city. But that's what it reminds me of. That's how it's, it feels like clean laundry. <laughs> that's how Japan smells. Or Tokyo, anyway. But yeah, like I said, I got 90 days to ramble about these random observations. So let's call that an episode and fade out.